Welcome to the Sad and Buff Show, where we talk about everything at the intersection of mental health and fitness. On today's episode, I chat with Julia Diaz, the thyroid cancer dietitian, about survivorship, living life without a thyroid, the impact on sleep, nutrition, and fitness, and our relationships with our bodies. I may or may not have cried during this episode because she really just said everything that I have been feeling but could not put into words. And I hope my fellow thyroid cancer survivors who are listening, you don't feel as alone by the end of this. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you. Uh, For my listeners, could you please introduce yourself, your story, and what you do? Absolutely. I am so happy to be even invited on this podcast. So thank you so much. It's, I feel like it's such an honor just to be able to talk about my story and just of how I help other thyroid cancer warriors and survivors. And so my name, hi, my name is Julia. I'm a 14 year thyroid cancer survivor warrior, as well as a registered dietitian. And what I do is I help thyroid cancer warriors become empowered with nutrition, as well as navigating doctor's appointments, RAI or radioactive iodine and the low iodine diet. But even before and after that experience, I help them with nutrition and realize to do that without dieting, essentially, because I find a lot of people are over-restricting their diets or over-restricting their food and not getting enough essential micronutrients and that can really affect people's health. Thank you for that. And that's a great segue into like my first question. We talked on Instagram, so you know a little bit about my background. You know, I was originally diagnosed with kidney cancer in 2020. And then less than three years later, fewer than three years later, I was diagnosed with papillary diarrhea carcinoma. Yeah. And as a kidney cancer survivor, right, you have to be focused on your nutrition. You know, your kidney function does get affected and stuff like that. And there's certain things that you have to do. But with that, there are also a lot of myths. And I've found that I'm only like three months into my life post total thyroidectomy. You know, fitness and nutrition, really, really important things to me. But I'm finding a lot of misinformation about how you should eat after experiencing thyroid cancer. Like there are so many blogs about going, yeah, sorry, I'll let you, you know, I'll (laughs) let you go into this because I, like I said, I'm just three months in. So like, what are some of the misconceptions that people have about taking care of yourself after thyroid cancer? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and also too, with my background as a dietitian, when I was, (laughs) my first job as a dietitian, actually, when I past my exam, usually we have all these bright, starry-eyed, like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to save the world. And my first job was being a manager in the call center at a major hospital. And I was like, man, this is not what I expected. But (laughs) that also led my jobs coming before this of my true passion of why I'm doing this now. What I ended up doing is I worked in the hospital as a manager of a call center. And I also helped, you know, just in the background setting. This was all during COVID. So that was great coming up with policies and procedures that I never knew I had to do. And then also um, that led me, a relationship brought me to Hawaii that eventually led me back to California, but I was working in dialysis for two and a half years. So I have a lot of kidney knowledge on top of those things too, and just totally understand about even myths with that. But 
yeah, the biggest things about thyroid cancer and all the nutrition myths out there is there's so many food mongers all over the place telling people that, you know, sugar feeds cancer or that soy increases cancer and canola and seed oils are bad for you and you have to avoid the cruciferous vegetables or goitrogens is what a compound that's in these veggies and it's just like and then also like alkaline water they'll neutralize cancer cells those are the top five that i talk about recently in my master class on how to reduce thyroid cancer risk and reoccurrence but really I need to break that up because I also talk a lot about, you know, how or what the true way to eat. And really, it's a lot simpler than you think. Really, what you have to do or what I always encourage is to eat mostly plant foods so that you're loading up on your fruits, veggies, plant-based protein options. You can still have protein. You just really want to admit omit processed meats because of the the cooking process, it screws up with the protein compounds, and they're finding studies of that linking with colorectal cancer, but as well as, I mean, they've, you know, it's like what they've only found now, because there's not a lot of studies that have been specific, and especially with thyroid cancer. So alcohol, emitting alcohol and avoiding processed meats are the only things that you really need to avoid or omit out of a person's diet or lifestyle. The thing about soy to be careful for is just the fact that it can interact with our thyroid hormones. So eating certain foods that are loaded, uh, have calcium, soy, magnesium, and uh, there's another one that <laughs> my brain is blanking right now. Oh my gosh, I know this. Is it iron? Because I feel like- Iron as well, I, iron as well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> brain fog moment, I swear. I mean, I get it. So it's, it's just, it happens. It's just being careful that you don't eat certain foods too close to thyroid meds so that it, you get nothing that's going to block your absorption, so to speak. But that's what I help all the people that when I work with them one-on-one, -on -one, I help them develop a plan on making sure you get your thyroid med absorption the best and- that you're getting all of these foods in there, making sure you get enough fiber, which in your day, because that's going to be really good for our digestive tract so that we can get full absorption of our thyroid medications. And you get that from eating fruits, veggies, whole foods, whole grains. Um, and so not needing to do a bunch of supplements. A lot of people think that uh, unless your blood work shows that you need the extra help, then yes, then that's something where supplements are encouraged. But a lot of people too, they'll over supplement or they'll take high dose supplements thinking that's going to be more protective when it can actually cause more harm. So it's, it's kind of way, it's way simpler than you think. And a lot of people, especially if you go on diet or if you go on, you know, message boards and you hear everybody saying that they need to omit or get rid of like, dairy or in gluten and all this stuff causes inflammation and with gluten and dairy it's very individualistic on the person mm -hmm. because it can tend to cause more problems some people react differently than others but there's not one food that is the the bad guy that causes all of this inflammation so it, it really depends. Some people, they do find that 
it's better to limit or avoid some people it's just fine it just because if you limit or avoid certain things and you're overly restricting other nutrients that you could get you know mm-hmm. and, and not everybody has access to all the food you know and not everybody can go to freaking and you don't need to go to whole foods <laughs> like you don't need to go to whole foods you don't need to eat organic and that is just like what everybody pitches that you need to do but that is not true so it's very overwhelming i understand for sure <laughs> <laughs> no there are so many good things that i want to touch on from your response i don't even know where to start i think the where I want to start, the one theme from like your answer is that there's such a focus on that restriction and not strategy, right? It's the same yep. thing I, I talk to with my clients about protein. Yes, yeah, some might have to limit protein right. for, you know, because their doctors feel that they should and they feel a certain way. But it's not particularly like the number of grams that you're having, the amount of protein that you're having. It's about, well, how are you having it, right? Like, are you eating it all at once in one meal? Are you spreading out through the the day? What types of proteins are you eating? It's like, there needs to be more of a focus on nutritional strategies than there are on like omitting. Because like you said, you may omit something where you're losing the nutrient. And I think that came to my mind, particularly when you were talking about the absorption, I don't think people realize. So I'm sure you've got this too. And I believe that you've posted some stuff on Instagram to this, like to this issue. But I've heard, you know, that thyroid cancer is a good kind of cancer, which there's no good kind of cancer, right? Like all cancers are bad cancers. (laughs) But you know, what people don't consider or don't think about is that life after and like the things that you have to manage and like the time that you have to go. I get up at six o'clock in the morning to take my Synthroid. I usually don't go back to sleep. Like, or if I do, it's for like an hour. And then I wait like two hours to eat because that's just, I know you don't have to wait two hours, but it just, that's how it ends up working out. Yeah. Um, I know and I know now I'm going on the rant, even though you're my guest. Um, hey, it's okay. Please rant yeah. away. I, I hear you. I feel you. I know exactly. I've been, I have been navigating this for so, you know, over a decade and I just completely a thousand percent grant understand because, you know, endocrinologists, they tell, and even as a person that was working in dialysis, uh, working with people taking phosphorus binders and all that, but like, it's so it's so common that doctors are like, oh, you just take this medication and here you go. And then like, bye. But they don't tell you how. They don't tell you about timing. They don't touch upon absorption. Yeah. In our gut. And that's another thing too. I definitely have a um, a background where I've studied in school. I forgot what they call it, but you study in school. So I have that conventional met, you know, ways of, of learning about science and nutrition science, but I incorporate more of a functional approach because what really matters as well that not everybody talks about or thinks about is how is our digestive tract working? Because what even recently made me spin off of to even starting doing my own thing finally that I'm so passionate is because while I was working in a high stress environment, I didn't realize I had H. pylori, which is an infection of our stomach. So, and this stomach infection led to overgrowth that I had tested that I was like, wait, now I need a test for SIBO because how is my digestive tract working from this overgrowth of bacteria? And all of this affects how our thyroid meds absorb. 
and nobody thinks about the endocrinologist. My endocrinologist put the order in for testing for that just kind of like on a whim. And even they tell me like, oh my gosh, this never happens. I never find this. And I'm like, why aren't, why isn't this being told? And, you know, I'm in like, and I know this, I've known about H. pylori, but I just, there's so much to remember. We tend to forget. And then again, I'm also a, a patient as well. So it's like going through that process of being mm. like, what I'm doing, I'm taking my thyroid meds, right? Like I have this down, like, like a science because I've messed with doing thyroid medication in the morning. I've messed with doing thyroid medications at night and my body naturally wakes up at 3 a.m. So I get the whole <laughs> waking up, taking a medication and falling back to sleep and making sure that I wait hours to make sure I have full absorption um, before eating anything or drinking anything because I want nothing. I want nothing to ninja its way into blocking my absorption because when our absorption is blocked or becomes less, then you're more hypothyroid. So you're feeling all of the, the fatigue, the weight gain, the, and just all of the common struggles that we all get. And with less thyroid hormone absorption, if there's any cancer cells present, because the job of that hormone and our job, you know, what our job that we're doing is we're taking, we're taking our, our hormone as best as we can the same way consistently as much as we can because we want to suppress any chance of thyroid of cancer growth if that happens because in my story in my case that has been the thing that i've always been working towards because i have had reoccurrence and it's been in my lymph nodes because when they first caught it they didn't catch it right away and this was 14 years ago so we didn't have a lot of information then and so I work really hard to diligently manage the cancer cells that they weren't able to scrape out. So, but not, it's not always like that for everybody when you're able to catch it sooner, that's really great because then, you know, chances are it hasn't spread your lymph nodes yet. You just take out your thyroid and then, and then you do low iodine diet, radioactive iodine. And then, and then you're on that life. I mean, you're still having to do the lifelong management but at least there's a less risk of having that reoccurrence the earlier you catch it. You know, that's interesting because my case is, I think, a little weird. So I was diagnosed at stage one. I felt a tumor myself. My doctors were very surprised that I felt the tumor, but it was like right on my isthmus. And mm -hmm. it was just, you know, it was like one centimeter, but I was able to feel it since I have a pretty like lean neck. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, my surgeon, who I am not a fan of, he, <laughs> he only did a thyroidectomy, like he only did a total thyroidectomy, took out uh -huh. one lymph node, which I don't even think he knew there was spread to. I think he just took it out, uh -huh. like it came out with it. And they found yeah. that it metastasized, still deemed me like low risk yeah, because they didn't see any extension. But my, t my levels, my thyroglobin is still detectable. Um, yeah. three months later and I went to MD Anderson for a second opinion and they're mm -hmm. like you know you probably shouldn't get RAI uh, which is radioactive iodine for my listeners listeners um, because you're BRAF positive uh -huh. and so it may not even work uh -huh. and uh, 
endocrinologist there told me that I shouldn't be super suppressed. I should be, you know, pretty like pretty okay. But my endocrinologist is like, no, I want you super suppressed. Like I want you under 0.1. And yeah. it goes to like, and I, I trust my endocrinologist, right? Like MD Good. Anderson was great, but I, I trust my endocrinologist because I think her thing is being better safe than sorry. I'm only three months out. My thyroglobin is still detectable, even yeah. with suppression, you know, that I'm at. So I have to go for a whole body scan and then we'll like see what it, you know, what it is. So I have no idea if I'm cancer free or not. Anyway, I say that all to say it's not as easy as having like a surgery and then you're done because you have to make like, to your point, like you have to make sure your levels are a certain place so you can't suppress it, which can put you and I'm in a hyperthyroid state. And so I'm tired all the time. I still go to the gym because it's very important to me, but the only cardio I do is walking because mm-hmm. the idea of turning on my Peloton is just more work than I feel like I can do. I like, I'm barely eating now because mm-hmm. I don't even have the energy to cook. Yeah. That might also be because of ADHD pills, but it's <laughs> also like, but it's also very much like I notice a change in my energy, even though I'm hyperthyroid, like I noticed. So I appreciate you saying that and like, mentioning the exhaustion and the fatigue because I don't think people realize yeah that you can you can have a lot of fatigue when you're hyperthyroid because your body is burning so much more and you're gonna get exhausted from that right yeah oh yeah I mean the symptoms are true for both you know a lot of the time they'll say oh hypothyroid you're only going to be exhausted from fatigued but it can happen when you're hyper hyperthyroid also. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that that is, that is the underlying common anxiety that comes from this too, that I feel like can be underplayed. Essentially, you never, like for me, because of my experience and how I've had four surgeries because it kept growing back in my lymph nodes. And for my cancer story, essentially, when I was young, I was like 20 like 20 when I was first diagnosed, you know, like you have cancer. And I was like, what? And this is the day before Thanksgiving. So I was like super shocked and like no family history, no nothing. Like how did this happen kind of a thing, you know? And so I've had a lot of dental work when I was young because they say radiation exposure. Um, and this was before they started doing thyroid guards. I mean, there's like so much, yeah, that I can talk about but basically. I've had four, you know, I've had four surgeries because when they first took out my thyroid, you know, they didn't treat it like, oh, you know, you're low risk and like, blah, blah, blah. We can schedule it in like two months for your surgery. And I'm just sitting there for two months like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, I have cancer. Oh, my God. And then Mm -hmm. they take out my thyroid and I'm like, okay, cool. Right. You know, and I wait for them. Then they're like, oh, we're going to do the follow up ultrasound in about three months did the follow-up ultrasound and they're like, oh shit, it's actually in your lymph nodes too. We need to get you into a surgery now so we can take out those <laughs> those lymph nodes. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You are not in a rush when you took out my thyroid, but now you're in a rush to take out my lymph nodes. So I had two surgeries within four months and they cherry picked, you know, around that section. And so fast forward two or three years later, I had growth that came back after you know doing the routine blood work scans every three to six months because of 
my case and that's usually what they do until they see that they see progress of no growth but like I had been on the three six month blood work ultrasound train for years because I kept having stuff come back after doing the third surgery and getting the then they cherry picked more lymph nodes and then when I was living in Portland when they did the fourth surgery and god bless uh Dr. Madison, I felt like he was the best and most knowledgeable endocrinologist that I've ever worked with out of the handful of endocrinologists that I've talked with as that or two handfuls, shoot. <laughs> but with uh, he told me, man, really what they should have done or what I would have done. The approach is that they should have, you know, took out that whole section just because, you know, versus opening you up more. Because that poses mm -hmm. more risks, you know, like, like, what's the better path to go more surgeries or having it grow. And so and also too, a lot of the, and what they're doing now is that they're also talking about active surveillance. Um, so because it is depending on the type of thyroid cancer, and then also with papillary thyroid cancer, the sub there's subtypes now that mm -hmm. they classify by the World Health Organization on how what the cell looks like and the shape, and they understand more of the nature of how these cells work. Um, you know, it could be a chance that it's, it is okay to actually wait for surgery and just continue to monitor it because there's more harm and more more stuff happens after you get each surgery, you know, like I definitely yeah. have my vocal cords affected and, and all the things that I'm sure we'll talk about too. But um, yeah, it's just like, you know, choose your poison, which is the best. <laughs> yeah. And um, to that last point, I actually did want to get into some of the common issues that us thyroid cancer survivors face after having a thyroidectomy you know, you've talked about some in regard to like active surveillance and, you know, more surgeries and things like that, right? Like depending right. on what your cancer looks like, but what are some other, you know, things, you know, or rather, I know, I know them, but in your experience, like for yeah. our listeners, what are some other things that we face that people just tend not to grasp or just don't know? Yeah. So things to think about, Besides the besides the energy fatigue that you get, I love how people when they say, I mean, like, oh, you take your thyroid meds and then your energy levels will, you know, you'll be low energy after the surgery. And then when your thyroid levels are normal, like you'll be back to normal. I hate to be the breaker of bad news, but it's not back to normal. I don't feel like I've ever had the energy be the same when I had a thyroid and now that I haven't had a thyroid. There is, though, hope that there is still a long, fulfilling life, even with all of the management. But um, And you actually, I have gained a greater appreciation for life after going through and still going through living this experience forever. You know, you really learn to what I like to say, quote unquote, cut out the fat of whether it's people or things or things that used to, you know, stress, stress me in life, just I don't care anymore, which is kind of good. You know, there are silver linings. But the other things too, just to, to think about is that we all have to think about 
we definitely have to be aware of our hormones and imbalances and how they play a role in our metabolism and in our energy levels and in our system. Um, and voice changes that happens. My voice, my voice used to be so much higher. And, but now it's definitely, I would, if I were singing, I'd definitely be a tenor. <laughs> I think, um, I definitely have crackling in my throat Yes, and there are physical therapy exercises that you can do, or you can be referred to ENT, which is a ear, nose and throat specialist. They have physical therapy exercises, so you can regain your voice. I've just had multiple surgeries, and they, all my cells were in my central neck, and so it's hard to get around vocal cords. I've had cells on my common carotid, so for me, I just thought, whatever, this is just my voice now, so I've just kind of, I've just kind of coped and lived with it and been okay with it, but <laughs> if I ever go to, like, a sporting event or like music and I like I'm you know you're like on the woo train then the next few days then my, your voice can be strained and you can lose your voice sometimes so people don't mm -hmm. think about that there can be nerve damage that can happen from surgery so I joke on one of the posts that I did at least on my Instagram how I actually thought it was kind of cool but what happens too is that when you get surgery, they can nick some nerves. So you might mm -hmm. get nerve damage. So I have, especially after doing it on the side of my neck, I have nerve damage that's from my neck all the way out through my shoulder. So I can't feel like a thing, but they tell you that, oh yeah, this is supposed to come back after a few months, you know, <laughs> like the routine. Oh yeah, it's supposed to come back, follow up. Just let us know, keep us posted, follow up. And it's like, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I say it's my superpower because when I got a tattoo on my shoulder, I didn't feel a thing. So I thought that was awesome. I was like, yeah, <laughs> silver linings. <laughs> I was just um, going to say that. I was just going to say, you got to look at the silver linings sometimes, right? Like Absolutely. Another thing too, the difficulty swallowing. If you feel like you're having difficulty swallowing, it is possible that that, that happens and is very common especially after having surgery, but I've done, you know, you can go through and you can ask your ENT or endocrinologist about your swallowing function and they will order what's called a barium swallow test. And it's a test that you do where you drink certain liquids and eat certain textures so that you can see if residue gets caught in the back of your throat to see if your swallowing has been affected. Now I did this, I did the barium swallow, and then they're like, nope, your swallowing function's fine. Like making it seem like it's all in my head. It's, mm -hmm. I'll just tell you everybody, it's not all in your head. It's very common. It happens. And because of having surgery, there can be a tightness in the way that our muscles and everything interacts in our neck. It just changes. So I've definitely choked on on food, on liquid, and there's certain strategies that I suggest where you either sip slower or you tilt your head down and sip. Sometimes people, they find um, ways where you use it with a, like you drink something with a straw or you definitely don't want, you can't really knock back water like you used to. <laughs> like, like sometimes when you really just want to, to chug some water, then you might choke on it. So be careful. But stuff like that happens definitely weight fluctuations um our thyroid gland controls our emotions and our mood and depression and anxiety so when we're taking these 
thyroid medications, that also controls the way that we think. So I remember too, when I was taking medication in the beginning, I just had all of these erratic thoughts or I was more sensitive to either my emotions. I'd be like more, not like more angry quicker, but just my emotions, I felt like were all over the place. And I was like, what is happening? Or I watch a commercial and there's like a dog on it. And like, you know, it's not even like, it's cute. And then it just like triggers me to cry. And I'm like, why am I crying right now? <laughs> like, this is weird. But because we don't think about those things either. It's just like, it's, to it's totally normal that, that these things happen, especially after having a thyroidectomy, because you also have to think about how these hormones are also that we have to have to survive and live. We cannot, mm. after having a thyroidectomy, you cannot not have thyroid medication because it controls your metabolism. And if you don't take thyroid medication after having a thyroidectomy, eventually what happens is you become so hypothyroid that eventually your, your cells will stop working. It doesn't happen overnight, for the people that are like, oh no, I missed my thyroid medication. What happened? Like it won't happen overnight, but essentially they stop working. And that's the way that, that people would die. And you can die if you stop taking your thyroid medication completely after thyroidectomy, but this doesn't happen for many months. So there's nothing to be worrisome about that. Especially the half-life of our medication lasts weeks, about two weeks. So it's, it's, if you miss a dose, don't worry, don't stress. That's okay too, for people that are just starting this journey and stuff like that. But people don't think about how these medications, they affect our thoughts and also to how it controls our body temperature are, you can get hot flashes or your hands and feet can be more sensitive to cold sensitivities. People don't think about dental health too, especially if they have to do radioactive iodine, radioactive iodine treatment, and sleeping issues that come up because our hormones are just, after we have this major surgery that really affects our body, it affects a lot of the other hormones in our body also. And so sleep can be an issue. And I teach my thyroid cancer clients that Basically, having a good sleep routine, hygiene can really help getting better sleep, making sure they're eating enough nutritious foods that have enough magnesium in it. Then there's other things that help us sleep better, but sleep is a common issue that people struggle with and that I used to struggle with for years and still at times do struggle with, especially if our thyroid medications are off. Oh. There are so many things that you mentioned that I don't even know where to start because it's just so good and it's just so relevant. So with the thought thing, I'm glad that you brought it up in terms of how it affects our thought because one thing I have noticed for myself, and I didn't really necessarily put two and two together, although maybe it was a little bit back in my mind, I can definitely tell I'm a lot more raw than I normally am. And I, you know, I just attributed it to being hangry because again, you know, it, it really has affected my energy level. As I said earlier, like 
I know I don't have the same type of energy I did before. Like I said, I'm going to the gym and lifting, but before I'd be like, I could go to the gym and lift and then I could do like an hour session of kickboxing and then I could take care of everything in the house. And like, I just, you know, the ADHD kind of mania in that way and the like hyper-focus. But now it's just, again, pulling out my boxing bag and turning, and like re-mirroring my, you know, phone to my TV that's too much. I'm just going to use my walking pad and that's where I'll get cardio. Yeah. That And that's tying into like the whole dot thing is that like, I've also just noticed that the way I interact with my loved ones or yeah. how more sensitive I am to things or, you know, I just, I didn't think about that to like be related to my home. I hope this makes sense. Cause I feel like, I'm yeah, not. but um, I know it like, makes sense attribute it to that right like I already have depression I already have anxiety those are things that existed before cancer um but it definitely is something in the back of my mind I'm like this feels different like I just I feel different the other thing that I want to pick up and this is something with kidney cancer you know anemia is a thing right like there is like a connection to anemia and iron deficiency which means you're cold all the time and before thyroid cancer I was cold all the time but now it's like also hot and yep. like my body doesn't know when to be cold or when to be hot. Like if it is cold outside, I am extra cold, but the yeah. heat on was the, on yesterday and I was doing laundry. It was only 74. And I'm like, Oh my God, I am sweating bullets. I need to put on the AC. And I would never have done that before thyroid cancer. I would not, I would have just, yeah. been, you know, it's fine. I'm just, so it's like my body is in this constant state of, which way to go with temperature. Right. Like, I yep. just don't, <laughs> I don't, but I want, what I really wanted to get to is again, the energy and the hyperthyroidism and hyperthyroidism and like it's connection to fitness and nutrition. Right. My beginning of my journey, you know, I did want to ask people like their experiences in terms of like weight gain and, you know, energy and fitness. Cause it is something that is just so important to me. And it's part of my identity that, you know, I, I'm also a planner. Like I am so, my anxiety has anxiety. So I need to plan. Like my thing is like, I need to know, I know. what to prepare for. I need to get myself prepared. Yeah. And like there are, you know, different experiences. I'm not sure if even survivors kind of understand the interplay between taking the medication, the energy levels, and like the impact on fitness. One thing I was reading in terms of like weight gain one reason could be you may be in a hypo state, hypo state, or your body may slow down in a way that didn't before, but you're still kind of eating at the same level you did before. And if you're not making that like connection, that can lead to the weight gain. And I'm not saying that's the only reason, like that is a plausible reason. I know there's more, but I would love for you to like talk through that, right? Like why is, you know, weight gain a thing? Because you know how coaches love to say that hormones don't play a part in weight loss but I think we all know that's not true and I would love for you to just dispel that myth yeah yeah especially that calories in calories out myth one yes 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 (laughs) I know gosh like you know especially in school right I will for me as when I was studying to be a registered dietitian that's what they taught us forever calories in calories out and that's true sure like if you have a thyroid like maybe and even if you don't i mean 
even if you do have a thyroid, that isn't always what comes into play because there's so many other external factors that are added into it. But I just remember believing forever, like, oh, calories in, calories out. So like that, that, that's the only way I can lose weight. But, you know, and again, like you said, it's not a simple math problem. And so especially with people that are thyroid cancer warriors and with thyroid imbalances. So after having our thyroidectomy out, just what happens is our hormone levels just aren't quite on point like they used to. So it's like having having a symphony, but you just like don't have your conductor anymore and you have to rely on a fill-in alter ego. <laughs> so things can get chaotic. I mean, there's stuff that I've researched about this. So like the common complaint is that that weight gain. So a significant decrease in thyroid levels disrupt the hormonal function and slows our metabolism by 15 to 40%. And that weight changes... They've been studied in two retrospective studies by the American Thyroid Association and guidelines for treatment of that. So one showed that there was no significant change among people that were either receiving replacement levels or TSH suppressive levels after a thyroidectomy, but the other looked at weight changes over a year in four groups of patients. And it found those with hypothyroidism, they gained more weight than those that had thyroid levels with balance. So definitely always having our thyroid levels within range is what's going to, that's the first thing to rule out, so to speak, because there's so many other things, there's so many other factors that can come into play, but, you know, it's a kind of like tallying, you know, who's the culprit, but sometimes it's hard to find. I mean, it's just, our bodies are beautiful rainbow unicorns and everybody's different. So it's not such a cookie cutter answer to be like, that's it. Essentially, what comes into play is essentially it can impact a lot of our hunger hormone levels and our other endocrine hormone levels that impact our metabolism. So, and also with like insulin resistance, that can also further cause weight gain but what I want to talk about is like leptin and ghrelin and our hunger hormones. Leptin is known as like our satiety hormone. And that's what's produced by our, our fat cells or our adipose cells. And they play a role in the regulation of like long-term energy balance and decreases our appetite and food intake leading to weight loss. There's ghrelin, our hunger hormone that acts quickly to... And that's the the hormone that increases our hunger. So you'll eat more if that hormone's more active in our body, basically. And we tend to eat more when we when there's an imbalance of that hormone. Then there's the enzyme they call it's a lipoprotein lipase, and that's what regulates how our fat is stored in our body. And there's a hormone-sensitive lipase. That's how it controls how fat is released in our body. So all of these hormones play a role in weight loss, weight gain, and balancing all of these nutrients that we get from our food. And they can also be affected by insulin and cortisol and epinephrine, norepinephrine. And those are indirectly affected by estrogen, protein progesterone and testosterone. So all these hormones are affected from just this process. 
of taking our thyroid out and relying on thyroid hormone and how it interacts in our body. So it's also, it just highlights really why the thyroid hormone's key role and taking these, taking these medications, it just changes our, the game changes. So the, to say calories in calories out is just, <laughs> it's just wrong. I mean, it's, it's right to a degree, but it's so different for us and thyroid cancer warriors and survivors. So under doing, and it, and people too, they think, okay, maybe I'll just exercise more, but the exercising mm -hmm. more can cause more stress on our system to increase cortisol levels, to screw up that whole game, that whole cascade of all these hormones that are trying to regulate our metabolism. It's just different. I appreciate you saying that last part because it's just, it's something you hear all the time from coaches. It's just like work out more and eat less. Like the problem, you're not losing weight because you're not eating, you're not eating less, but it's like, well, what if you are? And it's just yeah. still, we have all of these different variables, like calories in calories out is just, it is like the mathematical equation, but there's still variables that affect that equation I think is it's a technical thing right like it's right. true at a baseline yeah but it's like one of those things where you're like oh that's great in theory right and like right. there's always that focus on it in theory like in theory this is what it should work and if we do this and that then you should be fine but we are clearly having these issues if you if we have these studies and we have these like this empirical evidence and we have these lived experiences like why are we still you know sticking to that same line but it leads me into my something else i wanted to talk about is just our relationships with our bodies after experiencing cancer in general but like after having a total thyroidectomy and having to like be on this medication you know what have you seen with your clients like how the relationship with their body has changed after going through this experience yeah and and also it's something too that I want to touch upon right before I dive into that, that you mentioned about restrict, you know, you restricting diets or not eating, you know, eating less, exercising more is that actually, especially with all of the diets that are out there, like, oh my gosh, keto diet is the way to go. Oh my gosh, eating low carb, basically eating low carb is worse because we are thyroid hormones in order to function properly. They need carbohydrates to be the driver, which is why, and you get those from fruits and veggies and whole grains. But I do not suggest low carb diets because then our thyroid hormone that we're taking every day won't work properly. So, and a lot of people I find, especially with clients, they're undernourishing their body, they're under eating and exercising more exacerbating the problem. And so, and that's just, you know, it just leaves people into a black hole and very depressed and weight gain and just feeling like nothing's working and it's just it could feel it could feel very alone and isolating and that's what a lot of people that I find and that clients that work with me that they're struggling that they struggle with and I I get it I've lived through that I to like totally and especially when it comes down to changes of the body that end up happening and the relationship with the body because you just feel so frustrated that you're doing everything that you possibly can and trying to be positive and maintain energy however you can. But again, just feeling very isolated. And 
a change that ha that's happened, especially I forgot to touch on this before, but I will now is that the change of your face changes. It becomes more, it can become more round. And the reason why I meant this is because I've had so many people when I look back or I show people, you know, I get like a Facebook highlight or like, look at you, what you look like, you know, 15 years ago. And I like see myself before having a thyroidectomy and then the stages of after each time I've had a surgery, the routine answer that people say is, oh, that doesn't look like you. And I'm like, man, kind of that kind of hurts, <laughs> you know? So I, a lot of people, they'll see their face change and they, they say the same things or, you know, they feel like they don't look like themselves anymore or just feeling very insecure about just trying to manage and live and their body's changing no matter what they're trying to do. And they just, all everybody wants to feel is just feel confident again and energized and just good about themselves again. And, you know, it's just, it, it can be a very frustrating task because you get this surgery, you have the scar on your neck and people, they will either be very supportive and very positive or they won't or and then you're spending a, a lot of time educating people about your experience and to not really get much of a response back or stuff like that so again that kind of ties into the the isolating portion you know a lot of people they just feel very they just feel very sad about what their body used to be and how it's not now but there is still hope that you can live a long and beautiful life, fulfilling life with friends and family, and that, you know, you can regain a better relationship with your body and that it's okay. And it took me even years to learn this because I, same thing, I used to be able to like run the nine, do lots of bike rides and kickbox and all the things that brought me joy a lot were was exercise and being out, but energy levels, they just, they change and we have to pivot. And then just uh, what I encourage and coach my, my warriors and my clients is just that like being okay, being okay with the change. It's, it's hard. I mean, it, it can, it's definitely hard, but it's a mindset. And there are other things that we can focus on that is more important and, Surprising ourselves on is that we get up every single day and even if we don't get up that is okay too some days you don't want to get up and that is totally normal and okay because you're resting and you're taking care of your body my motto is always game day decisions meaning don't over exacerbate yourself too especially if you're especially if you're going to wake up and you do or you want to do a workout or you want to exercise and, but sometimes you'll wake up and you feel like you've just been run over by a truck and then you get depressed that you're like why do I feel this way again when all I really want to do is get up and exercise ride my bike go on this hike spend time with my friends that invited me on this awesome thing but I just feel like absolute trash today so my advice always is it's okay that if things change and make game day decisions to protect your mental health and, and just like your health in general, because you matter, your energy levels matter. And if you don't feel great that day, saying no is totally okay because you are 
in by doing that, you're reducing your your cancer risk and its reoccurrence by listening to your body and what its needs are because they, its needs show up in so many different ways that are important to listen to. Sorry, um, I, I, I put myself on mute for a second. I was trying really hard not to cry while you were oh. answering because I think the one thing um, related to what you said that it's been going through my mind is that I just, I don't feel like myself. Yeah, I think I felt lost for like for a while for like the last three years, but I don't know. After this one, I just I don't feel like myself at yeah. all, and I don't. You know, when you hear people say that, oh well, you just had needed surgery, you should right. be fine. It's like no, because it's yeah. not just the actual treatment. That's just a part of the cancer journey. Is that treatment part? And I find yeah. myself mask. I mean, I usually do mask, but I find myself masking a lot because it's like I can't, I can't tell people that I'm not okay, right? Because it just you could see the look on their face, like, oh wait, what? Like you're right. not okay. You're you are supposed to be okay. Like right. I don't know how to handle the fact that Anna Maria is not going at a thousand. Yeah. Um, when in like reality, it's like I would just really like to sleep right now. Yeah. Like I could actually take a nap and I was never like, I'm not a napper. My mom still like complains about the fact that I never napped as a baby, but now it's like, <laughs> Oh, I could probably end up having a nap yeah. or like, it's just not to not be able to do the things I enjoy. Or, and I know, again, it's, it's three months, but I know that while it may get easier with time or it may better manage with a time, it's yeah. not something that's going to stop five months from now or six months right. from now. Right. And so it's like, how do you find your way back to yourself when like you just you're 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 trying to navigate an existence that was thrust upon you? Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just can be really hard for your mental health. You know, the scar thing I definitely look at, it, I'm like, oh, I don't know how I feel about having the scar on my neck because sometimes I even forget it's there. But it's just like everything inside, you know, yeah. it's just it's so so different so I appreciate that you know it's that's something that you brought up because it's just it can and be incredibly isolating again yeah like it's just the beginning of the journey you know ripping your thyroid out essentially and then going through the LID and the, or the low iodine diet and prepping for radiation if you do some people they don't need to nowadays or they you know, everything's changed so much since I was diagnosed. Like, I wish, <laughs> I wish I knew, I wish everybody knew, or I wish the information was available back then for me through that journey to know all the things of what it was going to be like or what it actually is. You know, our culture is so ingrained to just basically be like, oh, hi, how are you? Like, oh, I'm great. Thanks. <laughs> You know, like just to auto default to like, I'm doing great. And if you're not saying like, oh, I'm doing great. Exactly. They're like, well, what? What's wrong? And then you go into explain and then you just get like a deer in headlights look. Everybody just wants to hear that you're okay. And that if you are telling them that you're not okay and you say that over and over and over again, then people tend or that I've had in my experience and other warriors and survivors have told me this as well, as well as in relationships. I mean, shoot, I could talk about mm -hmm. a lot about this is that, you know, just our partners. And if you have a good supporting partner that 
changes the game and helps so much. But sometimes not everybody has that. And so it's hard for them to understand too about what it's like, but it, yeah, it becomes, it can become very, very isolating, but then also it's just like, you feel like a, like as if you're just like a dark cloud over everything when you're not, you're not a dark cloud, what you're feeling and thinking is normal and valid. And all I can say is too, is that what I work with, you know, thyroid cancer warriors and survivors and that I help, how I help them cope and stuff is just, and people get this with time too, is just like how, how getting better at really siphoning through who's really there for you and who's not, you know? And, yeah. and a lot, a lot of the time on my page too, and I have a few posts about this, but I basically try to also spend time to educate the public on what it's like for us so that I give us the voice that nobody knew how to say or how to say these things or that they never knew they needed to say or don't have the words to find to say, but then also try to guide our family and loved ones with better phrasing on how they approach us or you know how to how to show them how they can support us through this instead of being like do you need anything no okay like let me know if you need anything like fuck i need you to do my dishes like i don't yeah. have the energy to fucking go to the grocery store like i really need somebody to help me with laundry can you help me with that like those are the things that matter the most like doing doing household chores or just like taking me to a doctor's appointment like those are you know so i just i also try to do that i do that a lot and you know i try to guide also our loved ones for the people that matter that do want to show support how they can show up that's great i think you know there needs to be a lot more caregiver support uh, because, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I think, important to not just for caregivers to understand what we're going through, but for them to also have the support to be able to talk to other people about how to handle things. That's that's great that that is a part of your work. And speaking of your work, talk a little bit more about the services that you provide Absolutely. and how people can find you. Right now, because I'm just still starting to learn all of the tech, all technology right now, you can definitely find me on Instagram and on TikTok. And it's at thyroid.cancer.dietitian. But I am going to get into a website here soon. Also, too, the ways that I help people cope a lot are memes. Memes are like a godsend. So <laughs> definitely that helps get through all of this. So that's really exciting. <laughs> but essentially, what I do with my one-on-one -on -one coaching is that I really help thyroid cancer survivors and warriors get through this struggle of the navigating the process, whether you've just been diagnosed or just had a thyroidectomy or preparing for radioactive iodine and low iodine treatment with one-on-one -on -one support from me, which is like <laughs> elite support, because essentially what I do is I use Voxer and well, I'll do check-ins and stuff like that too, but that way all of the questions that pop up you know, I'm just like right there at your fingertips. And what I do is I help guide people with personalized nutrition strategies because everybody's unique. There's no one size fits all diet plan that you can really post out there because everybody's different. You know, from the 
the person that's a truck driver to the person that works a nine to five from the stay at home mom with five kids with somebody that's just by themselves or, you know, it's just, it's, it's very individual, individualized. So I make a custom fit kind of nutrition strategy for people to uh, nourish their bodies, to prevent thyroid cancer reoccurrence and reduce risk um, along with other cancers at the same time too. We work one-on-one to develop a movement plan that works for them because everybody is different. Not everybody can move a lot or have access. And, you know, I encourage people stay hydrated and help people with grocery store shopping and come up with a good sleep hygiene plan so that you can get better sleep. There's so much that people get working one-on-one with me. I have access to thousands of recipes to incorporate to make it easy, especially because not only with the energy level battle and fatigue after working a job, that's like the last thing you really want to do is cook and that takes time. So I help thyroid cancer warriors and survivors learn quick, simple recipes, strategies that they can build into their day. So it's less overwhelming and let no confusion and no doubts with those myths and combat all those food fears and um, really just give the best support anybody could ever get. So that is where you can find me. And by working one-on-one with me, I can guarantee that you'll start feeling better through this journey because you will just no matter what, get the best support for me. I'm your biggest cheerleader, guide, mentor. We'll laugh, cry, joke, <laughs> be angry, all the things together. Cause I've lived it too. So I just, I totally get it. And I can use the knowledge of my uh, dietitian experience to help support everybody's life living with thyroid cancer and beyond. Well, Thank you so much for joining me and dealing with my rambles. It's always appreciated when that happens, but your insights have been amazing. It's given me a lot to think about. I'm sure it's given my listeners a lot to think about and just keep killing it. Well, maybe that's not the right phrasing. Just keep crushing it. Everything's yeah. so violent. Just, just keep being amazing. Absolutely. Hey, I say that too. Absolutely. We'll freaking keep, we're going to kill this shit. (laughs) One day at a time, one, one day at a time.